Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Atlanta Business Radio, spotlighting the city's best businesses and the people who lead them. Good afternoon. This is Sanjay Ture for Business Radio X, and welcome back to this very special edition of Atlanta Business Radio. It's time for Trusted Advisor Radio, brought to you by our good friends at Country Financial. Now, here's your host, Chris Seabrook. Who do you have in the station with us today? Thanks, Sanjay. Um, so today we've got uh, Mr. And I'll, I'll kind of let you all talk a little bit, but um, we've got Mr. Anthony Flynn from the Hundred Black Men of Atlanta, and uh, Dr. Stacy Mobley from uh, Wellness for the Ambitious. Um, Stacy, thank you for joining us today. Um, can you? Uh, I, I guess we'll just hop right into it. Okay. Um, so I've had an opportunity of kind of knowing you for a little while, and I, I, I know that you, um, your take on, on health is a little bit different than, than some people might expect. So um, first, can you tell me a little bit about um, what you do that's a little bit different, and then um, maybe how you feel about the, the definition or the term healthy? Okay, well, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here um, and just share information about health in a different perspective of, because I see so many people falling into the trap of the quick fixes and the fats and the trends. When if we really stick with the foundation of what it means to be healthy, that's where we're really going to get the long-term benefits of it. And that's what it's about. When we're busy, we're ambitious, we're going for our goals. We have other things to focus on other than, did I take my insulin? Uh, unless you're a type 1 diabetic, then we get it. Right. You know, but did <laughs> I take my insulin? Did I take my blood pressure pills? Those things are optional diseases and what we call chronic illness, I tend to call them optional illness. Um, and so for me, healthy looks like more so than a state of doing, it's a state of being. So a lot of people look at healthy as in I'm taking my supplements. If they're natural, I'm taking my prescription medications. I am crossfitting. I'm marathoning. I'm doing all of these things. But their state of being is off. So, and I guess you'll probably want me to mention a little bit about the state of being. Sure, sure, yeah. Okay. So the state, I just want to make sure, just checking <laughs> here. But um, the state of being is more so where your thoughts are about yourself and about those around you. Mm-hmm. What your environment's like when it comes to relational environments. So we're looking at your your friendships, your personal relationships, your marriages, all of those in the, the condition and an environment of those as well as your structural environment. What is your house like? What is it? Is there mold present? You know, all of those things matter when it comes to being healthy. Okay. And so uh, I think we kind of leaned on the um, your your perception of, of health because you're um, a different type of doctor, right? So can you can you explain um, what type of medicine you practice and, and how that makes you a little bit different than um, maybe a primary care doctor or something like that? Okay, so I'll start with the difference between me and a typical allopathic primary care doctor, which is what you guys are used to seeing Mm -hmm. when you have a cold or you get sick. And um, it's more so the options because the diagnostic tools are the same. I still look at the blood work, x-rays, all of that. I'm getting your health history. I'm used to looking around. I'm looking around everybody. Um, (laughs) Health history and um, 
Ooh, I lost my train of thought. Oh my, oh, the joys of being human, right? Um, and health history. So we look at all of those components. Mm-hmm. Those are the same. But when it comes to the options and how you treat what's happening with the person that once you look at their health history and their blood results. And so, okay, you're looking at, um, I'm trying to think of a common scenario would be high blood pressure. Let's mm-hmm. let's do it like that. Let's talk about it like that. Okay. So with high blood pressure, typically you would get some type of prescription medication, which it is what it is. If it's really high and we need to maintain that, you need to take that in the meantime where you're doing other things. I'm just going to say that up front because some people think natural medicine means no prescription medication or no interaction with the allopathic world. And that's just not true. Because we want you to live, right? you know, and get stable. And then once you're stable and at a point where you can choose your alternative or other options, that's when we look at um, herbal combinations, um, the structural and relational status of your stress levels, all of that, um, and so much more. But I, uh, we can go on talking about that all day. Right. So now um – you mentioned your state of being, um, and, and, and I know a lot of people, especially in the business world, because I work with a lot of business owners, mm-hmm. um, get stressed about different things, whether it's their finances, um, you know, general things going on with their health, their family. Um, tell me, what are, what are your perspectives on, on stress levels, on stress in general, I guess? Yeah, so stress is because people think of stress only as the things that happen to them and not just the stress of what's happening within their body because of those things that are happening to them. And they also forget that they have options. They forget, they think that, I like to call it the victim mentality. So we think, woe is me, things are happening to me. When you take a step back and think about, okay, these things are happening to me, number one, how did I get to this point? And then number two, what do I need to do to resolve this and move past this? And that's where people like you come into play. Um, So it's not just all about supplements. And so that's one thing that I would really love people to understand about stress levels is you have to use all of your resources, not Mm -hmm. just a pill, whether it's prescription or a supplement. And um, let's see, what did you ask me? (laughs) (laughs) Your your perspective on stress. You were going down the right path. (laughs) Okay, thank you. See, see, this is what happened when we're here live and you're dealing with a human. Um, But um, so, yeah, and you have to look at the physiological aspects of that. So you're addressing the situation that you're in to make sure that whatever impact is having on your health levels is also being addressed for the long term. Because I have some people that say, "Okay, I'm stressed or actually there are a lot of people that don't realize that they're as stressed as they are actually over time because it becomes a natural part of their life. So they have to take a step back. And I would usually say, even if you can get do a day away or something where you can really step out of your natural daily environment. So you can really get an idea of what's going on in your life that even needs to be addressed. Nice, and then nice. start from there and look for people like you when it comes to financials and all of those aspects and insurance, look for people um, who can give you those outlets that you need to plan in addition to people like me who can give you the supplement and other advice. It takes a team. Right, right. We um, <clears throat> Part of the reason for the show is to kind of get pe- give people an opportunity to connect with those resources because people don't always understand the different resources that are out there. They might know that there's somebody who can help but don't really understand who, uh, who, who that person is. Mm-hmm. So uh, can, you, can you tell me a little bit about... <clears throat> How you, um, I guess, focus your your typical client or whatever on on self care. Like mm-hmm. how how um, you know I'm dealing with stress. I'm dealing with um, you know life in general. Mm-hmm. What are some things that you do to kind of get people 
mentally focused or kind of guide them towards taking care of self? Okay, then make sure I stay on track too. Let's use a scenario. Okay, like I like example. it. I like it. <laughs> like for example, diabetes. So if someone comes in and let's say they're pre-diabetic, their their primary care doctor has said, "Hey, you're you're pre-diabetic." start as metformin, which is what they typically give someone that's in a pre-diabetic state. And then they come to me and like, uh, I want to do something a little bit more. Mm-hmm. I, I want to address this. So the first thing I would do is make sure they're actually just pre-diabetic because there are a lot of factors, especially for ambitious people like we are, like something, for example, like adrenal fatigue that will have an effect on your blood sugar, but it is not the core cause of what's going on Mm -hmm. you have to look at your adrenal levels your cortisol levels you have to look at your gut function so i would want to look at that person from their whole picture not just a piece of it and looking at just their blood sugar is just looking at a piece of them and not the whole person so that would be step one and that would happen through blood work imaging depending on what that person would need then from there i go on and understand what's going on in their life again looking at that individual so what what is your social life like? What is your work life like? What is going on? What are your goals and ambitions? Where are you feeling stuck? Because that is a big thing that people don't really realize that a lot of people are stressed because they know they should be doing more with their lives. So where are you feeling stuck in your life? Where do you want to expand on that? What's your plan for pushing through that? No, despite fear, because people fear is always going to be there. Right. Just to let you know. I mean, it, me included. Anyway, but um. And then from there, we come up with a plan that works for them. So I'm not just going to tell you this is what you do. Go have fun. You know, we set up accountability sessions to make sure they're doing that. I look, I personally, because I'm a planner. Mm-hmm. Whoever sent the notes out for this show, I love them. I don't know if that was you, Chris. Like, just a detail and just, uh, it was just beautiful. Because <laughs> I didn't have to guess. You know, that that is the epitome of the lack of decision fatigue, right? Mm -hmm. And so I make sure they have all those components they need to reach success or whatever those health goals are. And so I'm going to look at their daily schedule and fit in. This is where you can take your supplements. This is where you can do what you need to do, which may look different for you and for you and for you. So I don't look at someone as a disease. I look at them for who they are and fit everything together to help them reach that goal. Right. You're kind of shaping shaping them or shaping their plan their treatment based on what their actual situation is not necessarily just saying you've got xyz wrong with you and a bunch of people have xyz wrong with them Mm -hmm. and so this will probably work for you too exactly got you got you so tell me how did how did you choose this path what what made you decide that you were going to go on the path of being a naturopathic doctor as as opposed to and i'm probably gonna say this wrong is allopathic yeah allopathic is perfect (sighs) okay great Instead of being a a traditional MD. I was on that road. I went to undergrad at Emory University. So we're in Atlanta. So you guys probably know that. (laughs) Um, That place, it costs a lot. Anyway, (laughs) so (laughs) student loans are no joke. Um, And so I, I was around. I always knew I wanted to be a doctor. Only thing I knew was allopathic MD. And my MDs out there listening, there's nothing wrong with you. It's just a different way that we practice. But I started spending, I'm one of those people that like to learn on the ground floor. So I was in my classes, but when I was not in class, I was in a hospital, a doctor's office, or someone's clinic. I was always emailing, asking, how can I help you with the front desk in exchange for seeing what you really do in real life? And so over time, I began to see like these people were following directions we're not going to talk about the people that don't follow directions when it comes to what they need to do because we know what's going to happen 
of the long term. But I would see people who will follow directions and still end up on the same path as the people who didn't follow directions. And I'm like, something has to give with that. Because, again, I'm really strategic. I appreciate efficiency. And if they're putting in the effort, taking time out of their day and doing what they need to do, they need a different result than what the people that are not following the rules are getting. Right. And so I really, I said there had to be another way. I didn't know what the other way was. Um, and y'all would think I'm crazy. But then I heard this voice. I was getting ready to take MCATs. I had saved up all my money for applications because my mom couldn't afford to do that for me. But that's a story a lot of people probably have, so we're not going to go down that road. <laughs> um, and this voice, literally in my head, and I'm not crazy, people, said, wait. And I'm like, what do you mean? Wait. Wait on what? I got a lot of stuff to do. It takes four years to get through med school, another four years to get through residency. I don't have time to wait. Um, but then I respected that because I learned over time to listen to your intuition and still small voice, whatever you want to call it. Um, and I waited. And I call it active waiting because I don't know how to wait and just be still. And over time, I met this, I think it was junior year in undergrad, where I met this girl who came to me and started talking about naturopathic medicine. And I'm just like, I don't know what that is. That <laughs> sounds like a little sketchy. I don't know. You know, I'll talk to you later. Thank you for the information. But somehow it kept coming around and coming around. And eventually, to make a long story short, I just went ahead and took the leap and went for it. And I never regretted it other than... Um, it's easier to pay student loans if you probably went to, you know, empty school because I had the same level of student loans. So like in the three hundred thousands, like the equivalent of a house. Nice. But other than mm-hmm, that, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> I I don't have any regrets. Nice, that's awesome. So um, going down this path, I'm sure there's something that kind of led you. Um, maybe maybe a little bit on the personal side that kind of led you down this road. Um, d- did you have any health struggles? Did you have anything that you had to overcome that, that helped you really, I guess, was maybe the tipping point to get you down this road? That is a good question, Chris, because I actually did not. Like, none of my health issues triggered that I want to go look for answers and solutions because I didn't realize them as health issues because I was on the move. I was on the go. You know, I... One time at Grady Hospital, because it's one of the places I hustled my way into to see patients or, and, and see what they were doing in the emergency room. And I passed out. Um, and we well, we were in the middle of a surgery. So they're in the middle of doing brain surgery. They were like, hey, Stacy, you should come see this. And, you know, they didn't. no one told me that they were going into a brain surgery. They said, scrub in. You should some, come see this. I go in to see it. I saw this lady get her top of her head, like, just sawed off. And I heard. Yeah, and no. then I passed out so (laughs) so when i woke up though and i was just like is she okay because they were like is she okay and i'm like yeah is she okay they're like we're talking about you (laughs) i didn't even know i passed out but part of that was the fear or just like being thrown into something like that and the other part was that i was not eating correctly i did not know i was not eating correctly because i was putting something in my body you know i was eating there were snickers and yep. you know yep. quick food. lunch of champions yeah right <laughs> anything that keep me going but mm-hmm. so i thought i was eating and so those factors were not something that i really paid attention to until i started to learn more down the road about how your food truly affects your body and how your choices really matter for the long term because i'm still paying for those choices right now even though i know what i know right now right so coming with the health because i'm human people i mean the they always 
explain it this way to my patients and clients is that there were choices that were made for me, i.e. during childhood, my genetic factors, environmental factors growing up. Mm-hmm. There were choices that I made when I was not aware of the choice I made, the story I just told. Mm-hmm. Then there are choices that I get to make right now. And I'm still paying for the other two sections of choices right now. So adrenal fatigue is something I'm recovering from right now. That's why it's something that's passionate for me. Um, It affected my dental health, which is another story for another day, Mm -hmm. uh, which really got to the core of me. Um, And anyway, that's a different story. (laughs) I want to have tears. And some people might think that that's really superficial but it's really not because it's a reflective of what's happening in your body um high blood pressure is something i had to work my way through and it was not just because i'm black hello yes i'm black people but it was not just because i was black or because of where i came from but it was because of the habits and choices and environment environmental factors up until this point in time that i'm cleaning up to this day wow wow so i've heard of um uh, the, I guess I don't know if it's a fad or trend or uh, whatever, but um, uh, biohacking, right? Mm-hmm. Um, can you first explain what that is <laughs> and then yes. um, tell me what your thoughts are on that? Yeah, so biohacking is something that typically is in this like really high performance hustler category of they want to be at their best. And that's how they look at it. So if you think about biohacking, you think about Um, wearable technology so looking at your smart watches or looking at your um things that are tracking your sleep patterns Mm -hmm. and then you're taking that data and you're trying to figure out how can i alter it and make my life better based on those things or the bulletproof coffee is another example you guys probably have heard of and so and that's basically coffee with butter and some fats all mixed in and then you drink it and it gives you this burst of energy which is better than a red bull but it's still a short-term fix right So I'd rather someone do that versus a Red Bull, number one. Mm -hmm. But what would be the most preferred way for someone to deal with their health and rebuilding, like I told you, I'm I'm still recovering from all of those health choices, is to really get those foundational pieces in place. You do not need to make this complicated. And you can keep those foundational pieces, such as making sure we have this bottle of water, making sure you have enough water in your body. Then you may not need to do some of those, quote unquote, biohackable things that are out there. And if you do, it's just for fun Um, or making sure you're getting your green, your your variety of colored vegetables in every day, making sure. I mean, you see how you see what I mean? Like the simple stuff. Y'all all all know this already, but it doesn't matter what we know, me included. It matters what we do. Going back to the being and doing of being healthy. Right. Very cool. Well, thank you. Um, thank you for sharing. want to uh, hop over here to, to Mr. Flynn. <clears throat> so, uh, Anthony, you, you work with the hundred black men of Atlanta. Um, been there for nine months now. Uh, you know, the, the, most people aren't a stranger to the organization, but can you tell me a little bit about what the hundred black man does? Sure. The organization was founded. First of all, let me back up. Thank you for having me here. Uh-huh. And thank you so much for sharing Dr. Mosley. That was powerful. So, um, the 100 Black Men of Atlanta was founded 33 years ago mm-hmm. um, here in Atlanta. And actually, New York was the original headquarters. And so there's argument between New York and Atlanta being the first chapter. But um, 
but we'll 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 take the title. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm teasing. Actually, there were some men in New York who actually originated. Jackie Robinson was a, a part of that community, among okay. many others. And then Atlanta became the national headquarters, mm-hmm. uh, which is now the international headquarters for the organization. So the international headquarters is here, and then we're just literally a few blocks over. Uh, the Atlanta chapter, and there are, there are three other chapters here in this market, and there's another one potentially on the rise. Wow. So, but the mission of the organization uh, is essentially to improve the quality of life of youth, particularly African American, throughout the city of Atlanta. Okay. And uh, yeah, man, we have uh, just over 170 members in our chapter. And as I was mentioning to you earlier before we got on air, we have the the Emerging 100, uh, just over 100 members of them. They are the 25 to 35-year-old group of gentlemen who are rising to become members of the 100 Black Men of Atlanta. Wow. So as uh, just kind of thinking – you know, civically minded. If if I'm going out, I'm I'm looking for an organization to be a part of. I'm I'm really passionate about trying to um, grow and uh, build and develop youth. Um, what makes me ch- pick a a uh, hundred black man? What what are some things that that you all do that are special, significant to you that might you know compel me to say, okay, this is this is the group that I want to be a part of? Yeah, I think ultimately we have a unique way for people to join our work because we are a member-led, member-run organization. And actually, to become a member, you have to be referred by another member. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, so we like to ask people to plug in to opportunities that we're hosting throughout the year. We have a number of events. Uh, on the. So I, I tell people there's a who we are and a what we do. Right. And so relative to the who we are, I just talked about that, the men of the 100. But relative to what we do, we have mentoring on the ground, which is our primary uh, perspective of the organization. So through the lens of project success, uh, we have literally supported over the years students with, a, with uh, over $7 million in scholarships. Wow. Uh, and that's money that the men of the 100 have actually donated uh, to those students. And, and so there's an option to come alongside students in elementary, middle, and high schools. A best academy is our adopted high school, mm-hmm. so we have a Saturday academy there. And then the Washington-Douglas cluster of schools uh, are also our adopted community. So we do a ton of work via the 100, the Emerging 100, the Collegiate 100, with the Washington-Douglas cluster as well as Best Academy. And so there are a number of opportunities for people to plug in there for mentorship. Additionally, uh, one of our members is Dr. Lonnie Johnson. Many people don't know who he is, but he's actually the creator and the inventor of the Super Soaker, uh, ah. the water gun. And he actually has – he's incredibly generous. He has a property – that's not far from our office, and it's approximately 30,000 square feet of, of space that he has essentially donated. So more than 4,000 students throughout the state of Georgia actually will, act, will come through that facility over the course of this academic calendar year. And we, the 100, have a person, a full-time person, Bart Sutter, who's on staff there, who's basically managing the logistics and all that facility action uh, on an ongoing basis. So we will be directly and indirectly responsible, if you will, for more than 4,000 students who will come through there and learn about robotics, uh, programming, and other things of that nature, STEM-related activities. And so there are a number of opportunities for people to plug in and get involved. And I think that, uh, you know, frankly, because the members of the 100, these are some of the most successful businessmen not just in Atlanta, but throughout the world. Mm-hmm. I mean, we literally have world-class leaders, men who are leading at C-suite, 
uh, who are entrepreneurs, et cetera, and literally have reach of tentacles across the globe. And so the quality of human beings uh, com- combine- combining that, excuse me, with the action and the work we do in the community, man, it's an incredible organization to partner with and come alongside. Yeah. So I've had I've had the pleasure of kind of working with you all a little bit through Country Financial um, uh, in the financial literacy space. Um, so I know that you I've, I've worked at Best Academy, kind of taught some of the kids there. Um, you mentioned that you've got the robotics program, but what are some of the other things? Um, and you got the scholarships uh, that where you're giving away a lot of money. But what are some of the other programs that you all do with uh, with youth? Yeah, so I mentioned robotics. So basically, we have the you know we have a collegiate component where students who've matriculated through Project Success, mm-hmm. we have 47 students, for example, right now that are currently in college that we are funding scholarships for those students. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and then, of course, I mentioned our Saturday Academy. So that's our, I call that our depth component mm-hmm. of what we do, where, you know, there's reach for a small group. So that, that Saturday Academy, by the end of this calendar year, 150 students Will be in, will have gone through our Saturday Academy wow. this year, and so that's very hands-on. It's intensive. It's four hours every other Saturday, uh, and so obviously when you're working with students in that capacity, you want more of a hands-on approach. And so between those college students and that, that's that piece. That's the the depth. Then on the breadth side, I mentioned the robotics experience in the Robotics Academy at the Johnson STEM Activity Center, but also uh, we actually have these pods, Pathways of Developmental Success. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we actually have men and women who show up on campus at the schools we support, and they can be concentrated pods. So it could be physicians, for example, or we have the military pod, we have an entrepreneurship pod. And so there are affinity groups that are established for students who have certain affinities. And then we actually have men of the 100 among community leaders as well, who go out and based upon those affinities, they provide support to those students through lectures and through classroom engagement. So that's that's the gist. Now, there's a lot of other stuff going on. Right. But that's a quick summary or synopsis of the primary you know, framework of the work of our organizations. Okay. So with with the hundred being such a um, an impactful organization, um, giving out scholarships, uh, pr- providing opportunities for people to come and spend Saturdays and actually do something productive. Um, how do parents generally find out that there are opportunities that exist um, outside of being a part of the schools that you're affiliated with? I was going to say that. Frankly, that's primarily it. You know mm-hmm. what? What we've what we've decided to do, and we, frankly, we get calls all the time. We get calls regularly from people in the community who want us to be a part of of what you know of what they're doing. Right. And as I mentioned, there are three other chapters, another chapter emerging. So one mm-hmm. of the things we've realized is that in order to be great stewards of the resources that the men of the 100 invest, as well as the philanthropists like Country Financial, our funders and our investors, mm-hmm. we have decided to more or less concentrate our efforts. Uh, so that we can make we can, if for lack of a better term, get a bigger bang for the buck. Makes sense, as I like to mm-hmm. say. So we really have decided to focus on Best Academy and the Washington Douglas Cluster, elementary, middle, and high schools that feed into Washington High and Douglas High, for the sake of being able to see a longer term impact and not just spread ourselves too thin. Okay. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. So that basically, you can kind of hold, uh, almost hold a, a child's hand throughout their pathway through exactly. school and then lead them into college. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. And so it, we found that it being more important to really be diligent and persistent in a child's life, mm-hmm. uh, you know, mm-hmm. and the long-term impact, the long-term implications play out better in those cases. And mm-hmm. so we've we've made that choice. So for parents who do want to get involved, you know, I 
we can if if we are not a direct resource for them, we mm-hmm. can help support and find other resources that may be beneficial for them. Nice. Um, you mentioned that there are three chapters, and I, I know sometimes that uh, the organizations uh, organizationally can have different focuses in in uh, different. You know, right. I guess different chapters. Different, right. So uh, the the long way that I'm, that I'm taking to get to this question, but um, do the different chapters have different focuses or different things that they're saying? This is this is what we want to focus on, or are you all kind of. Yeah. So together? to be honest, I don't know a whole lot about the other chapters. Okay. okay. Um, just because our we you know we're a fairly large chapter. And I'm pretty sure we're the largest chapter. Out of more than 100 chapters internationally, we're wow. the largest chapter of all. Mm-hmm. And so we're blessed to have, you know, companies like yourselves to mm-hmm. invest in us at a high level. Uh, so we, we manage, a, you know, a fairly large budget, a mm-hmm. fairly large team, mm-hmm. and, and that keeps us consumed, right. frankly. So right. we don't, we, we're not as interactive mm-hmm. as we'd like to be with the other chapters. There is a desire, literally on Tuesday, we were just, uh, we just, our new chair elect. So we have... Uh, our current chairman, Larry Johnson, will transition this month, and then Kevin Gooch is our successive chair. But the way our the way we operate is we elect a chair elect mm-hmm. uh, when the successive chair steps into office. Mm-hmm. And so our our chair elect, Keith Milner, actually just on Tuesday was talking about the the necessity behind us trying to link up with other chapters and. Uh, of course, again, we have the privilege of the international office being here. And so we've had some conversations with the national, international office about ways that we can collaborate more throughout the city. And frankly, the city wants to see it. Many of right. the companies that we interact with, they have a vested interest in seeing us partner and co-labor. Uh, but again, just keeping it real, man, there is so much labor and so much work to be done mm-hmm. that we stay busy just focusing on our cluster. Of course. Uh, I mean, to be candid. And, and, and we're not, and even still, we're not busy enough, right? Mm-hmm. Because there's just so much work. The, the lifting is so heavy. The weight is so intense. And I tell people it, it, the irony, right? The communities we serve, in many ways, they're the lowest income communities, but they have the highest need. Mm-hmm. So there's a, this plethora of a limited resource, and yet, there's a high need. And so we're trying to play in the center and fill that gap. And it's a very difficult thing to do. So it's hard enough for, to keep up with ourselves is what right. I'm trying to say. So we're looking at ways to be better at organizing structures so that we as chapters can do more collaborative work. Makes sense. Makes sense. So um, kind of getting back onto the, the, the pathway that the students are taking. Um, as they're going through, they graduate out through your program, they go into college. Are you finding that... Um, Many of them are trying to come on and now be members or um, partner with the hundred to to make sure that the mission kind of continues because they're actually being able to, um, you know, they they can say, hey, look, I, I was a part of this. I've, I've been able to see the the impact that it can have. Yeah, man, that's a great question. One of the most powerful stories is is one of our board members, a gentleman named Elliot Teray, mm-hmm. who literally started in elementary school uh, with the with the organization, and he's now on the board. Of the organization, so he went all the way through the entire framework and now serves on the board of the organization. And so, there are aspiring students who, similar to Elliot, who have that story. And even if they're not directly contributing in our space, they are directly contributing somewhere. So, so we've noticed a trend, a pattern that those who've been served at that level with that level of intensity. Generally speaking, they have a, a desire to actually contribute and give back in their communities. And so we're, we're very gracious, 
excuse me, we're very grateful that those students actually end up, uh, you know, those who've had interaction with us look for ways to stay plugged in and look for ways to give back to our organization. Wow. Wow. Um, so, and I don't know if you can say this, but the, uh, the, uh, students that you're, that you're providing scholarships for, are you providing like, are it, are, are you all a portion of their scholarships? I know that you give a pretty hefty scholarship, yeah. but are you all a portion of what they're doing? Or are you? It's a portion. It, okay. it, generally speaking, it, it helps, you know, there's that gap where a kid may get a scholarship, but mm-hmm. there are other needs that they, I, you know, there are, I've, I've had a real life scenario where a student came home over 50 bucks. The student couldn't register another semester because they had a $50 fine on their books, not with the 100. I mean, just previously right, right, right. Uh, and, and some work I was doing prior to this work. And and instead of picking up the phone and calling us, literally, the student did not go back to school for a semester because they were $50 short and couldn't pay. So they couldn't get their grades for, from the previous semester, which means they couldn't register for the oh, following wow. semester. That being stated. We give $6,000, up to $6,000 annually for the students who, who have successfully matriculated through Project Success and been awarded our scholarships. And uh, the, it helps to close that gap, right? Because you can get a full ride and still have a burden and yep. still have obligations. Mm-hmm. And, Doc, you were talking earlier about student loans, <laughs> so you know, the, you know the intensity. And, frankly, me personally as well, I know what that can feel like. And so we're looking at ways to help relieve some of that burden for the students we serve. Okay. And uh, do you all have programs that actually, and you may have mentioned this or whatever, but do you all have uh, programs with any of the colleges where you're actually able to either connect with the students that you help to uh, get into these uh, four-year or mm-hmm. two-year mm-hmm. institutions? Sure. Yes. So we, well, we actually have a the Collegiate 100, which, okay. we, again, there's a lot going on with this. So the Collegiate 100, by intention, they're actually structured to help support the work of the 100. So they do mentoring and support with the mentoring structure. On mm-hmm. the other hand, the students who actually come through Project Success and go off to college, uh, relative to them, um, you know, we don't have as m- – because some of them go away to school. Mm-hmm. So we do stay in touch. We do have the collegiate advisor, our director of programs, who stays in touch and community with the students, but it's not as direct or as hands-on as some other organizations like the Posse Foundation, my good friend Zenith, Zenith Houston, who runs the Posse Foundation, they part of their framework is that they follow the students off to college and they actually send advisors to the campuses to actually visit with the students. So they, you know, and so our example is not like that, but we do have a community. And then many of the mentors who have been mentoring those students as they've matriculated through the ranks, they stay in touch with those students to help support them throughout their path uh, as they finish college. Wow. Okay. And um, in addition to getting grants and uh, and funding through corporate sponsorships and things like that, I know you all do some some really impactful events as well. Um, like I think I've been to a gala that you all have had. Yeah. Um, what are some of the things that that people can kind of get involved with that help support the organization, but also allow you to you know let loose and have fun? Absolutely, great question. So ironically, on Tuesday we have an event. Uh, at the Manor Golf and Country Club in Alpharetta. It's our annual golf classic. Mm-hmm. There'll be just slightly over 200 people on site. Uh, our goal, that event will help us generate 
more than $200,000. Uh, wow. 100% of those proceeds go back directly to the work of the organization. So those aren't administrative dollars. We take those dollars and directly support project success. Uh, coming up on June 9th, we have an event called Divots and Divas, mm -hmm. and that is at Top Golf in Midtown. And we actually will consume at minimum two floors of Top Golf. If anybody's ever wow. been there, it's a pretty sizable crowd. So we'll have 400 plus people on hand. Uh, and once again, 100% of those proceeds go directly to Project Success to support the scholarships and the work of of those students that we serve. Later in the year, we actually have a gala, the gala you attended, I'm assuming, last mm -hmm. year, uh, October 5th is the date we haven't set on the venue yet, but mm -hmm. it will be October 5th unless something radical happens and we have to change the date. And right. we're just waiting on a final word on a venue. We've been looking at a few. and uh, But but that, yeah, we have big plans for that gala. We're going to honor some incredible people in the community and even uh, nationally. And then finally, we have the Celebration Bowl, which takes place, I think it's the 21st. It's the Saturday before Christmas right. this year. And it'll be at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. It's in partnership with ESPN uh, and the winners of the SWAC and the MEAC conferences, the two HBCU conferences, uh, the winning teams in those conferences square off in the very first game that kicks off the bowl season for college football. And so those are just four examples. The Emerging 100 have events on a regular basis, and we have other opportunities for people to engage. But I highly recommend that people come to our website, mm -hmm. and uh, that website is www.the100100atl.org, the100atl.org. Fantastic. Um, country used to let me play in the golf tournament, but I'm not very good. So. <laughs> hey, you can, you can come, <laughs> the and stand you can you come and stand alongside me because I will not be out there. Right. Um, since you since you went ahead and shared the uh, the, the website, are there any ways that, that people can kind of connect with um, the 100, kind of figure out a little bit more about the organization, um, follow you on social media? Yeah, so I I recommend they, they take a stop on our website. Okay. Yeah, that would okay. be the best because – there, because there's so much information about us, that that's a good place for them to, you know, it's a it's a great oasis to tell people to point people in different directions and really gives people a great perspective on the work of our organization. Fantastic. And Dr. S, can you share um, how people can how people can reach out to you? How can they stay connected? Yes. Yeah, so Facebook is one way. So you can follow my page, Wellness for the Ambitious. I am catching up with the time, so I'm starting an Instagram. <laughs> So if you, you follow to. me on Facebook, I know I think I'm the only person in the world that oh, does yeah. not have Instagram. I'm catching up. Um, so if you follow me on Facebook, then you'll eventually get my Instagram information. Um, website is wellnessfortheambitious.com right now. You just go to it eventually. Um, but, yep, I'm excited to talk more about these topics and share more information. So thank you. Okay. And um, so as we as we wrap up the show, I like to do a little a little segment where we um, uh, focus on small things that help you achieve bigger goals. Um, Country has a campaign that we run called our Simple Steps campaign. And I just want to see if you can share maybe one or two simple steps to um, taking a, a look at your health or being more uh, more healthy, more um, um, health focused, I should say. Um, what, are, what are some simple steps that you can share about health? Love it. Okay. Number one is be present. Wherever you are, be there. Mm -hmm. Wherever you are, be there. 
Um, Because we're so busy being in the future and the past and the present is just like flying by and going into one of those categories. Mm -hmm. So just be present. Um, And as you're being present, just take deep breaths. doesn't matter if you're in yoga or meditation. Don't you don't need to label it. Just breathe. Um, So that's number one. And number two, I would say stay hydrated. That will take care of so many things. And when I say stay hydrated, I mean with like actual, you can't see me right now, but actual water. Mm-hmm. I'm, I don't just mean like Powerade that's made for Super Bowl people. Um, <laughs> no, it's not made for the average person. Pedialyte is something I like. I don't know if I can do that. Uh-oh. I said a brand name. Um, but something like that or um, but let water be the base. Half your body weight analysis. Keep it. Just keep it nice and easy. Nice. And and uh, before I before I go over to uh, Anthony, is there a preference? Like I've heard different things about alkaline water versus regular water. Is there a what's the what, what's what's your what's your take on that? I started to go down that road. Um, back back to the basics. Just water. Your body will naturally know what to do. If you're if you're eating your vegetables, your your good quality vegetables, not mm-hmm. just any crap that's over the counter, um, and you're drinking enough water, your body will know how to to alkaline its own environment. You won't need mm-hmm. to do okay. that with your water itself, unless you just want to have fun and do something extra. Um, so if you just focus again on the basics, that'd be great. I would say um, during the summer, you want more spring water because that's going to have more of your natural minerals in place. And then during the winter time and even during the summertime or when you're detoxing, that's when you want more of your distilled water because that's going to be pulling from your body and your tissues. Mm. Nice. Okay. And uh, Mr. Flynn, tell me, tell me, um, I guess maybe you can share some simple steps that'll help help uh, people interact or do good things in the community. Yeah, I have a simple saying: Do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. Mm-hmm. And because so many, there is so much going on, and people get so overwhelmed with, "Oh my God, how do I possibly get in and add value? How do I solve all the, you know all the world's problems?" Don't try. Do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. Very cool. Okay. Well, I'm uh, Chris Seabrook again with uh, Trusted Advisor Radio and Country Financial. Uh, we thank you for joining us today, and we look forward to hearing uh, to having you back next month. And this is Sanjay Ture for Business Radio X. Mm-hmm.